Hello, Nicholas. Welcome, Tom. How's it going? It's been it's been about a year it's since we've um recorded a podcast. Sixty years. Here we go. But are wireframes dead? Is the question at the moment. So, like, what do you think? What what is a wireframe? I guess in our context, what are we talking about? Wireframes. Yeah, well, we're talking about it's it's almost like a stage um, involved in creating a website, um, and wireframes are like content outlines, I guess, mm-hmm. like kind of the the blocks that are seen that um show the kind of visual structure of a website. Yeah, does that sound sound reasonable to you? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um. And I think definitely, like, there's different types of wireframes as well. People talk about lo-fi and hi-fi wireframes. And, and really, I think it, it's kind of just like a scale from drawing boxes with a pencil on a piece of paper all the way to using something like Figma to have things almost, like, a step backwards from a fully-fledged design. And when you talk about wireframes, it can sort of be anywhere on that scale, really. Yeah. Um, and their purpose is to get get ideas across quickly right yeah i mean and i guess that's the other thing is i feel like there can be lots of different purposes based on where that wireframe is on that scale and like what you're trying to get out of it um i mean we do wireframing quite a bit to help with information architecture and figuring out where bits are going to go um and where data comes from or where duplicate data is going to be in different places um but i think traditionally wireframing is probably done as a sort of um, test and feedback and iterate type approach. And I think yeah. maybe that's where that's the dead part of wireframes because how can you like test something without seeing the design elements in there? I don't really understand that. Like design adds so much information and changes the experience so much that I, th- I would say that, yeah, the, the testing you're doing on a wireframe, that's probably a dead part. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so too. I think it's it's kind of strange to um, yeah measure how how someone would interact with a, mm-hmm. a digital experience if um like because things like color and scale and white space and you know all of the things influence how you're going to make 100%. decisions in a digital space. At the same time, like I think you can still get feedback on like what they might expect to see next mm-hmm. um, in a kind of, in a particular flow, yeah. um, which might not necessarily require, you know, colors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you could still have a buy now button and then it takes you to a blog post mm-hmm. and the user could give the feedback like I was expecting yeah, <laughs> to yeah. see a form with <laughs> credit card details. It's like wow, that's a that's an insight. All right, let's 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 go back and and change the change the wireframes. Thank you God know, for so, the research. Yeah, yeah. But when I actually think about it, it's like maybe there is something to be said for not having high fidelity designs for plotting out a user flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's a a common thing that when when people talk about like defining what or what the benefits of wireframes are, and they say that it's it's trying to take away or trying to remove your attention from those visual things and those other things and make you think more structurally and like you said about the flow of things um Mm. so that's the argument there a lot i think but it is it is curious as well it's like 
we're testing how someone is going to interact with this thing, but we're taking away the things that shape their experience. Exactly, exactly. Imagine being like, hey, like, what do you think of this car? Would you like to drive it? And it's just the frame of the car. They'd be like, well, this is a kind of <laughs> shit car. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. So that, yeah, that's, yeah, that is pretty weird. It's a weird concept. Um, and I, I couldn't really find anything definitive or at least anything that has been written by someone that, who seems to be... Mm-hmm on the cutting edge that is saying that wireframes are an essential part of the process. Mm-hmm. What I'm kind of seeing is that wireframes and prototyping have merged into yeah, one yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in light of how how prototyping software has advanced. Yeah, 100%. I reckon that's like the key enabling factor of all this is things like Figma, my boy. Um, yeah, we need like a... Oh! button every time we say yeah. figma yeah and every time we say xd like some kind of crushing down bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so i yeah i reckon that's a huge reason why this is why this sort of trend is happening for sure like it's it's insanely different now creating those like real world mock-ups and and iterating them quickly how long like how long have um prototyping tools been around for like i i think of envision as like the the one of the first I can remember with um, interactive yeah, yeah, functionality. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would that was probably yeah the first experience I had of things in that respect. Um, but that was always like someone would create the designs in Sketch correct. and bring them into Envision, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was yeah. You're right. That's a little bit different. And I guess like so, Envision's nine years old now, and. Right. Balsamic, which is probably the most common wire framing tool, is 12 years old. And Figma's only like right. four years old or something outrageous. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. I just remembered like reading this job advertisement mm-hmm. that was getting shared around on LinkedIn about like, um, must have 10 years experience in Figma. <laughs> <laughs> and the CEO tweeted, he's like, that's going to be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um so yeah, I guess yeah. I think Figma's like enabled this basically, but one of the things I was reading as well, people talking about um, you know the, skipping the wireframe step is fine if you've already got that established sort of design system, so you can actually play with existing elements and move them around easily and know that they're going to work together in some way. Um, whereas if you don't have that and it's you know you're starting from scratch essentially with just maybe a brand it's harder to skip that wireframing step because you don't already have all those cohesive pieces to play with. Yeah, and it's something I'm curious about is whether why, whether that stage should be happening at all if there isn't a kind of design system. Mm-hmm. Um, like, are there scenarios that you've encountered where those things aren't there and can you talk about the like how, the, how that project kind of works? Yeah, I guess... Um what I was finding interesting is how if you imagine sort of a somebody just starting out um, like an early freelancer and they they have a um, you know like a mum and pop type job building a little website for you know a small business yeah does does the is wireframing an important part of that process like is that website so cookie cutter that it doesn't need one or is it so obvious that you don't need a wireframing step in there but also if you're building the site with something like Squarespace, for instance, or some other type of drag and drop editor, 
that almost allows you to skip that wireframing process as well because you're almost doing it in design, you know, almost as if you were designing it as well because it's, it's sort of all coming together at once. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, you're, like, you're skipping wireframing and you're, you're kind of skipping design. <laughs> <laughs> you're just trying to, trying to do it all... Yeah, trying to totally. do it all live. It's hectic. And like, like yeah, but then, you know, if if they're in, you know, if it's only a small business, you don't want to be charging too much and putting in all these extra unnecessary steps when such a simple site could work for them and, and be the only value they need, you know. So I like yeah. to think about it like, you know, at what stage of or at what um what sort of offering where do the wireframes fall in as an important part or where are they not important? Um and so I think Yeah. And like the, the majority of projects we've worked on, people don't have full design systems um, that we can play with and work with. And a lot of the time it's newer products or newer services or websites where they don't have that stuff. So we find wireframing definitely really valuable. Um, and it's not not necessarily from a, um, from a um, user flow perspective for us, but it's more from a information architecture. It's a good way to document that in a way and have it, okay, sort of defined but also experienceable in some way so have there been like you, you've spoken about having the the wireframes as part of the process and then is there there's, there's like an approval process that takes place with the client yeah so i think that's yeah yeah um definitely wireframe advocates are all about you know getting the stakeholder buy-in at the wireframing stage um and like, I think it's a good idea. Like, uh, it can help. Um, it, it sort of depends on your client. You know, there's always horror stories of people saying of clients, and like you've probably had this before, of, of clients being like, "Oh, why is I can't read that text? Why is that? What what is that lorem? Why why is the whole page in Latin? Like, what have you guys done wrong?" Yeah. Um, and and I think that you know the wireframing stage can suffer from that as well, where clients sort of get the wrong idea, or they they're creating, or that you know they're they're. Um, imagining what the designs could be from the wireframes and that might not necessarily be close to what you're imagining or, you know, that process hasn't even really started yet. So you can fall, I guess, down that hole. Um, but I think, you know, with some clients, you know, they, they can understand what that wireframing process is about um, and, you know, help them get by and help them, you know, um, not have that unveil of the designs at the end sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I'm curious about is whether there's like, you know, getting getting alignment and and getting buy-in on a on a particular Mm -hmm. site structure and nailing down functionality and then it comes to design um Mm -hmm. and and you also mentioned like starting off with lorem ipsum and let's say then the tone of voice comes in Mm -hmm. and that starts to influence what kind of content to serve up yep 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 and then all of the all of a sudden you know the tone of voice and the design aesthetic has changed Mm -hmm fundamentally the the functionality of the site like have you had any encounters where it's you've had to go back and be like ah um i think maybe not exactly but i think definitely the tone of voice and the copywriting is definitely moving earlier and earlier in our process um yeah and and maybe that's just because we're a bit ignorant to start with that we weren't doing that right um but also, I think it's definitely a budgetary constraint. Um, I've always found it hard to sell clients on copywriting as opposed to, hey, let's just get a site built and um, the copy just, you know, appears out of nowhere. Um, so, that that's always been a, a difficult part for us is trying to um, get clients to see the value in it. Um, 
as a yep. in, you know as an important integral early step. Yeah, I mean something I've I've noticed that um, designers have the the ability to do in creating these um, you know content modules and pages mm-hmm. and posts and whatever um, is to just put something in there. Um, that's you know that's partic- not particularly. Exactly. I think, mm-hmm. and I'm borrowing this from um, Jose Caballer, who I'm sure borrowed it from someone else, but he was just like, anything is going to be better than Lauren Ipsum. <laughs> yeah, so true. You know, and I think it's in- it, it, it's interesting what that represents when we think about wireframes also. It's like, if version one is zero, or like if version one has nothing, then mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's it's almost a shame because like, Design and development is such an iterative process. You know, you're always building upon what you did before and making it better and better each time. Like, even if the first cut of the copy is shit, like, at least it's a cut. Yeah, know. yeah. At least it's in the language that you're going to use eventually. Like, surely that's better. Yeah. Than, yeah. And I'm, I'm noticing heaps, like, lines that I've put in, you know, website designs, they end up mm-hmm. going on the site. Yeah, right. Um, because it, it's kind of integrated with the design anyway. And I'll yeah, find yeah. myself doing a few different versions of a particular line anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like increasingly I feel like it should just be in there at the start. But again, like it's assuming that every designer or every developer is comfortable writing. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And yeah, and even has contexts, the wider context of the project and the the aims for everything, you know. Um, I wonder if, so this, I don't know if it's just me or us that's gone through this about moving this copy editing or to the the start of the process or realising how important it is. I don't know if that's a sort of broader, you know, 10-year industry kind of perception maybe where... You know, that there's been this big shift towards like storytelling, right? And and talking to the customer more so than the product or the service, etc., and getting them on that emotional journey. Has the importance of copy changed because of that, do you think? Or has, has it come along the journey with that or Yeah, I think we've we've just learnt a lot more about kind of what makes for an ex for an effective digital experience. Mm-hmm. Um and I think initially it was just like kind of shouting at customers yeah with keywords at an audience (laughs) yeah (laughs) and learning that that kind of wasn't working so well um but yeah i I think also that there are just more case studies now of of, um how starting with the audience and tone of voice changes Mm -hmm. the interface yeah yeah um because really i think it's just fishing for kind of good quality insights yeah 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 um in its simplest sense like one conversation with one person in an audience um can change a whole site yeah yeah yeah. um so i'm not sure i feel like that's kind of a roundabout way of addressing your question (laughs) (laughs) yeah so then would you say i mean are you still going to be trying to do wireframing in your processes or like where where does it fit for you at the moment? Yeah, like I actually, I was reflecting on this before the episode and really I, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's possibly in part because 
the work that I specialize in is branding. Yeah. So, I'm always involved in, even if I'm working with an existing brand, I'm going to pull out all of the bits, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm going to be like, all right, well, here's the color palette. Here's the type. Here's the logo and its various formats. Maybe there's some photography. That's all going to be set to the side. Mm -hmm. Then I'm just going to pull from those. Like, and if I've created the brand identity, then... I'll have set that stuff up as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, th- I think the last three or four websites, I haven't um, done wireframes. Like, it just hasn't seemed necessary because it's so quick yeah. to sketch out things in Figma now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, again, like when we were talking about having copy there, I feel like it would be better to be evaluating a design, even if it's not perfect Mm -hmm. or like even if the client's like i hate that purple i'd rather be hearing that and talking about it and improving upon it then rather than being like well we're just kind of making decisions based on these invisible boxes and you know um yeah i don't i don't really know whether it has a has a place in my process Mm -hmm. maybe it happens like invisibly or like it's invisible to the client, like as I'm yeah, creating a, yeah. a card or something, I'll first pull in those things, but like I'll never, I'll never use a typeface that like I'd never use Roboto or Helvetica or whatever. Yeah, like I'll yeah. always be testing body copy or whatever straight away because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me not to. Yeah. I mean, are, are you finding that it's, it's, it's baked into every process that you're working on pretty much um i think like i said before we it's definitely we find it helpful definitely for information architecture or translating that information architecture into sort of a more um, concrete or visual example um and and test or maybe not test but just to confirm that the information architecture makes sense um that's definitely one reason we do it and then the other one is i'd say all the sites that we build have some kind of underlying cms and because of that, we need to make sure that the data that we're using in different spots comes from, you know, sensical places. Um, and so having that wireframe really helps with that as well. Like, it helps sort of define, you know, I guess information architecture and how that then is populated by a CMS. Um, mm. so- and I'm, wondering, I'm wondering whether there's like a role for wireframing once the site passes a particular point of complexity. Because I know that the sites that you work on and the sites that I work on like the ones I work on are, are generally much simpler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, and definitely, yeah, I feel like as we've grown, um, like as built uh, as a programmer and as running a business, like there's so many different parts and pieces that go to creating a brand all the way through to creating a website. And there's so many different pieces that you sort of pick and choose along the way and that selection of things has changed so much based on my experience and my knowledge and and what we offer and what clients we have and what their needs are and so i feel like um like we're saying before the 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 importance of the copy and the tone of voice now i'm pulling on that a whole lot more and moving that like i said more important and earlier in the process and maybe um, but depending on what the client needs, maybe the wireframes aren't as important or are more important. Like I sort of think it depends on that selection of those pieces and, and how much time and effort you're putting into them. 
Um, yeah, that, that's tra- that changes a lot for us all the time. Yeah. I mean, something else I'm wondering um, is whether wireframes are more useful or more important um, the earlier a designer or developer are on their journey. Mm-hmm. For example, like six years ago, I would take ages to design a website, uh-huh. you know, or to like put together these kinds of screens or these states. Yep, yep, yep. Whereas now it's it's so quick mm-hmm. that it's almost inefficient for me to add wireframing to the process. Yep, yep. That's, so I, yeah. I wonder whether that's that's a factor too. I reckon that's definitely a factor. That's a really interesting point. I think, you know, as you get more and more experience, you start to know all the the common website paradigms, you know, like the back of your hand and you know how all these different pieces normally fit together and you know how the majority of websites like this or like the current one you're working on, like you know how they solve the the problems that are presented to them. Um, And so building out those sites and what they might look like as their basic structure and stuff is almost like there's obvious answers to them usually, you know, unless you're doing something really out of the box. Um, And so, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the reason why you can just sort of knock things together so easily now because, you know, you've just done it forever. Yeah, maybe it's like the, the wireframing aspect is kind of happening subconsciously mm-hmm. or like like those those decisions are still being made and that process is still being like gone through but it's kind of underneath. In the same way that like what I'm thinking about is like grids, you know, using grids for layouts uh-huh. and how that a lot of those decisions start to become automatic as well like even in Figma using layout grids um, sometimes I'll just be really roughly pushing things around and then I'll turn the grid on and it's kind of aligned anyway yeah 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 Yeah. so I wonder whether that's that's a factor there too but yeah it it might be a bit arrogant to say like wireframes are useless Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it, maybe it's like they're a useful tool in the beginning and then it's like you can take the training wheels off um, after a particular point. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, definitely like some of the larger tech companies are hating wireframes purely because I guess they have the resources to flesh out full designs instead, basically. Like it's a it's a privilege to be able to do that in some cases for sure as well yeah yeah which calls to mind um an episode on netflix um the abstract art of design oh, yep. second series um i think his name's ian spaltler or maybe i'm just quoting a completely different <laughs> designer i think that's the product designer for instagram uh-huh. and it shows him kind of evaluating particular feed options right okay and he's like presented with three different iphones and each has like a fully functional prototype yeah you know so he can click through Uh um before deciding what to kind of push live and Mm -hmm. test and in seeing that i was like well yeah that that makes sense like for sure as a way of evaluating you know particular directions Mm -hmm. um but even recently like I did a user experience design course and there was an emphasis on um, the sooner you can get to a high fidelity prototype, the better it's going to be for testing. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I could see that I came into that course with like a a 
a lot of background in design. Mm-hmm. So I just skipped the wireframe stages. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um. So yeah, I th- I think if if someone has the ability to prototype like quickly, there doesn't really seem to be much of a need for wireframing. Yeah, so I guess as well that that begs a question like who's who's um who's responsible for them if they're going to be done? Like where does it sit? Is it is it um like developers, is it designers, is it a combination, is it UX? Yeah. Like where does that sit? Yeah, I think I think the state of the state of design and development today is that it's for it to make sense it has to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like a kind of waterfall project where it's just like here's the wireframes here's the design yep, yep. and then we pass the design to the developers <clears throat> and there's no conversation you know that doesn't make sense those days are today. gone mate they're, they're long long far away yeah <laughs> but like for sure there's there's that's still projects are still spoken about in that way yeah yeah um even though it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, like, ideally, um, and there's, like, note that it's ideally, it doesn't always happen this way, but ideally, designers and developers are talking about features and um, what can be achieved before there's any kind of wireframe or prototype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even tone of voice, perhaps, like... But it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a real challenge lining up what happens when. It's like it's it's like orchestrating this performance, yeah, you know. Sure. And it's like when do we introduce the cowbell? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if like and yeah, for sure. And if somebody's running behind, like how do we manage that and get everything mm-hmm. synced back up again? And yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 tricky. It's not simple. Like to be able to get designers, developers, copywriters, client all in sync and all on the same page Um, and I think that's where the art of project management really comes in Mm -hmm. and also I think just a shout out oh actually maybe not a shout out but do you think um, how do you feel about Figma versus XD in terms of those high fidelity fidelity mock-ups and the um, what are the what are the tools called where you can actually sort of like preview it, you know, almost um in a on a phone as as the mock up as a website sort of stuff like is oh yeah like like I think Figma's one is called Figma Mirror where yeah, you can right. test yep. test on a on your device on on a mobile for example. Um, so I didn't get into that for XD. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they've um, made improvements since I used it. Um, well, ten months ago now. Way back when, yeah. but at that time it was just it was so clunky, mm-hmm. um, and I was kind of like, Cody, this is the last time we're, we're using this <laughs> this software. You know, I've I've given I've given it a go, and this is the last time, um, because Figma, like, it's so much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it there are some features that aren't there mm-hmm. um, relating to. Um, interactivity but yeah, yeah. I feel like they're just pushing out features all the time mm-hmm. anyway um, so yeah I'm, I'm sorry Adobe but like I can't vouch for XD <laughs> love it 
Yeah. Figma for life. Okay, next tattoo is Figma for life. Yeah. I can't see how, how long we've been talking for. I've got 472 bars. <laughs> At least the metronome's just, not on, so that's just a plus. Dropping, dropping them bars, but I feel like this is a pretty tidy yeah, this is tidy good. ending for us. Yeah, this is a 29 seconds, so... I mean, 29 minutes, rather, sorry. So, <laughs> cool. thanks for uh, tuning in again, and we'll see you next time.